Who's making noise? <laughs> <laughs> it's you. It's not me. me. I am like a mouse. <laughs> Who's making I noise? Water. Scott. Me. No, 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 no. I was not moving. George. I'm not even moving. I've it's, been the quiet one. It sounds like <laughs> someone's like shaking a tarp. Like 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 making their bed. Do we have a homeless person on the line? It's it's gone now, whatever it was. Okay. Right, Blaming them. Three. It was Teresa. I know it was. It totally was. Teresa is Teresa's beard. <laughs> it was Teresa's beard. Sitting here on the couch being a good girl. <laughs> I I have finished my groceries. I am still. Three, two, one. Hey, toy family! Welcome to another edition of the Marsham Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham, and joining me is again the Queen of Cute, Teresa Hawkins. Hello. And the Prince of Pins, George Gaspar. I'll take that title. And back with us is the Master of Mules, Scott Catler. Thanks for foolishly having me back, Gary. <laughs> I know. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming back, Scott. I know last time we talked, we uh, there was like a crap ton of stuff we still want to talk to you about, and we just kind of foolishly ran out of time because we were talking designer con. I know, just time flies. It's crazy being on one of these. I thought I'd run out of things to say. We're just fun to talk to, Scott. Yeah. You know, talking about <laughs> time flies, I can't believe it takes you almost two hours to get home from work. That's nuts. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It makes me depressed because it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It's like a. If it was like midnight, there would be no traffic, and you know, it'd take thirty minutes. But nope, two hours. Yeah, it's like late. It's like uh, past ten o'clock for Teresa. She's already sitting in her what? What are those Thanksgiving pajamas, Teresa? You ready for bed? Thanksgiving pajamas? What are you talking about? A little pilgrim outfit. George is wearing his little his little Indian pajamas. It's it's pretty cute. Yeah, hey, we'll nobody nobody can see that. You're not supposed to tell. Well, I don't know. I'm I, sorry. I want to give the, the audience a visual. They're footy pajamas. Yeah. All right, let's enough of pajamas and let's get back to talking to Scott. So where, okay. where did we leave off when we were talking with you? There's a lot of stuff that we kind of left on the table. We did. And I remember you were telling us that you were a longtime listener, but there's a lot of stuff over like the year and a half that we haven't even covered yet. And one of those things was 3A toys. And you're a pretty big collector of 3A, right? I am. So I know nothing about it. I'm pretty sure Teresa knows nothing about it. George, do you know 3A Toys? Uh, I, I collected for a little bit. I know I know a small bit of 3A. All right. And I definitely have opinions about 3A, okay. that's for sure. What's yeah. here? We, know, who doesn't? I know what it, I know what it is, Gary. Well, I, I know, just yeah, don't know. You and I cannot a lot possibly yeah. carry a conversation on it. I right. I know the name 3A. I don't know who's behind it. I feel like is that the Ashley Wood one? Yes. Okay. That's really all I know about it. And that's the extent of my 3A knowledge. So George, Scott, take over. George, you're <laughs> that's how this is going to go. <laughs> we are your what is it? Padawans? Is that the right word? Are we your Padawans? Yeah, teach us. Explain to us what is this 3A thing that you guys or Scott collects. What are your curiosity behind it? I think that's a Instead of me just chatting about it, um, I have zero curiosity about it. Why uh, is it, what, why is it popular? It seems like it's popular, but it also seems like, from my knowledge of it, it seems like something you pre-order, and it takes like a year to almost two years to receive what you ordered. Is that true? Yeah, it can take nine months, respectively, or um, over a year. Usually, or that. <laughs> yeah. 
what well, describe so what, what, like what? Like, so someone who's listening right now, they have, have no knowledge of three. We have a lot of people just now learning about toys, designer toys, and whatnot, and they're not familiar with three A. Like Scott, how would you describe three A toys? So three A toys is the intellectual property of a gentleman named Ashley Wood from Australia. He is known in the comic book and graphic illustration world for doing Metal Gear Solid and Spawn. Uh, and there might be a few others that I don't recall. I am actually did not follow him prior to 3A. So the brand is a way for him to get his... He's also a fine artist as well. So 3A was an outlet for him to take the worlds that he have, he's created and put them into toy form. The three part of the name comes from a very large toy producer named 3-0, who currently deal with a lot of licensed toys, but have worked with uh, Ferg, who did the Squats and Misfortune Cats. Okay. 3-0 also produced Nathan Oda's uh, Midnight Crooner. So it's a collaboration between Ashley Wood and the owner of... From within 3A, there are all these different worlds. Some have to deal with the robots. Some deal with Ashley Wood's graphic novel called Popbot. And then he has a few other kind of miscellaneous worlds that he deals with. So, Scott, did it start out as, like, customs that then became production pieces, or...? No, he went right into production. Uh, Actually, before 3A... Uh, Clem and Big Shot produced the first Ashley Wood toys, if I'm not mistaken, George. Uh, uh, that I, that I don't know, but it sounds right. Is that the birdies and the cubes? That's kind of what, as far back as I can remember. There was a three birdies without legs, and I definitely know Big Shot did those. Even prior to that, I believe there was a non-articulated early iteration of his Bramble character, I believe. And Clem might have done that. I'm not sure. Teresa, do you know what a birdie is? There's, no, I have no idea there's what that so, is. There's all the, I mean, so you have in his most, Ashley Wood's most popular, I would argue would be the more popular property and storyline is his World War robot line. Yep. Um, where he has, before the toys came out, he had plenty of artwork, whether it's crude sketches or really intricate, beautiful oil paintings of these very surrealist images, as well as this Swiss cheese of a storyline to kind of push it forward. And he wanted to make toys and Matt to match up with it, and he did it. Okay. Now, I know a lot of people in the designer scene also collect 3A, but for some reason I've never actually really felt that 3A or Ashley was designs were designer toy. I don't. It feels something different. I don't know why. I mean, it is independently produced designs that are very much Ashley Wood. You can look at it and know it's Ashley. So it, in, in a you know, definition sense, it's the designer toy, but I never really saw it that way. So, I mean, how did you get into it from being designer toys? How did you make the crossover to 3A? Um, it's, it's a weird one because it doesn't – I think the only comparable thing is it's, a, it's an individual designer and not a big company. Um, I found out about them through just – I'd see it on blogs – when I was looking up other Western vinyl toys and on the kid robot forums, there was tons of chatter about it. it it's funny because on a kit on the kid robot forum, the most popular threads were 
3A, course, and cause. And so I'd see 3A at the top all the time and people were just yapping about it. So I was always kind of curious. So I looked into it and the old joke is you'd go to their website and nothing was on the web store to buy. Everything was sold out or just nothing there. Yeah. And it was really confusing. I'm like, how do I to figure out how to get these things? And it was like in 2010, they had, they released some figures to the retail stores for, I mean, I'm only, was about a year and a half into collecting. And I just was like, well, let's try to check this out. And yeah, it was pretty epic because for a hundred dollars, you get a 40 point articulated figure with amazing paint techniques with dry brushing. And it kind of blew my mind. Right. That's kind of, you, what you described there about how like confusing and mysterious it was. That's why I just stopped even paying attention to it. Because early on when they had the birdies and the little um, the cube robots, I can't think of what they're called right now. but Squares. Know, squares. Yeah, squ- yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Squares. Uh, I was actually sort of really liking that stuff. But it was – I would go to find out info or I'd go to the website. And it was just shrouded in mystery. And I, I don't like that stuff. So I just gave up. I just completely stopped paying attention. And you know, it seems like other uh, collectors really stuck with it because it seems like it's a highly collectible brand. Yeah. They – Blew up. Yeah, it, it's very weird. You have to kind of have your ear to the ground to just figure out how their business model even worked. With things go on, they announce when things go on sale, but it's only up for typically 24 hours, or at least that's how it was in the early days. Yeah. So it was, it, and it's not, it wasn't, it's all op- basically open run for that window. So, you know, if you know when it goes on sale, you've got the, that 24 hours, and after that, they don't make any more. Is it all based on pre-order? So they just fulfill whatever is pre-ordered in that 24-hour period and, and that's it? Have they ever released anything that is a non-pre-order that's like ready to buy that you you know it will ship the day that you buy it? Every so often later because they've been around I think nine years now. Wow. So um, it was founded in 2008. Okay, yeah. So for the most part it was always pre-order and especially in the early days when you're trying to essentially take money I think – to, you, know, you get money to fund the next project and you're just kind of hopscotching it. They probably were more on the purely pre-order basis in the last four or five years. Every now and then they'll get some sort of like pre-made thing which actually has a very limited number of how many they have. And then those can usually ship in, you know, within a couple in a couple weeks. Okay. Um, and they've actually they've put a line out that was for retail of uh, like a smaller scale version, like the normal stuff that we're talking about right now is like usually like a 12 inch scale stuff. Yeah. Um, and so they have released a, uh, a smaller scale. I think it's six inch scale if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And it's uh, a lot of the same uh, like styles of the figures of the bigger stuff, but they'll, they'll do a smaller one and they'll have a retail version. So like stores like, you know, 3d retro and stuff like that can carry things like that. Okay. That makes sense. But there's not. It's not their whole line of characters. It's just this specific one they made for retail. Hmm. Now, George, you said you were collecting it. Do you still collect it today, or, or no? Uh, no. I mean, for a little bit, I collected it a bunch, and I was lucky enough to kind of get tired of the of the hassle of buying it um, at a time when I could still resell a lot of the stuff that I had for a decent amount of money and not lose money on buying them. Oh, okay. Um, a lot of the newer stuff you can't turn around. It's just pretty much worthless now that you like once you get it. But so, so there was a point where you can get something for, you know, 120 bucks, and if you sold it at the right time, I've seen people spend six, eight hundred dollars on them. Whoa, no, yeah, it's a nice markup. 
and and higher even depending on the figure um so now i only i i have a collection of uh there's a certain style robot that he does called medics and they have a red and white color scheme with like the you know the red cross on it and uh i i collect the medics and then of course the most recent purchase i got was the deontward figures because i'm a huge deontward fan and i had to get them but then it was that thing it was like over a year I had moved. I was like, crap, am I even going to get them? Like, I tried writing to them to tell them I moved, and they were yeah. like, okay. And I'm just like, does that mean you're going to send it to the new address? Like, I was just like, this sucks. I can't deal with this. So, that, I, like, that's pretty much the last thing I bought. I, I probably won't order more. If I find a medic I don't have somewhere out in the wild, I may pick it up. But yeah. I, I, don't, I don't hunt their site anymore. There's, it's too hard to, like, there's even, even times when they have stuff on sale on their site, there's special sales that if you're there at the right like second, it pops up for like 20 seconds and you can order it or like and you have to wait again and like keep refreshing the screen and like maybe you'll get the special one again. Like it's just a, it's such a pain in the ass to buy this stuff that I'm just like, forget it. Like I don't I don't I don't need to be hassled to give you money. Yeah, it's crazy. No, I guess See, I, they actually it, kind it, of slowed down on the surprise drops because I actually used to do that quite a bit. It was oh, actually kind so of, annoying. It's actually, yeah, it's annoying, but it's also kind of fun in a weird way. Um, well, you're the exact kind of guy that they need to hang yeah, around. That, that, I'm, I'm not the audience for that. You know, like, I just, I can't be bothered. Like, I mean, forget it. It definitely cost me a relationship back in the day because it was, <laughs> let's go, let's go watch a movie. And I'm like, can't, I'm hitting my F5 button <laughs> on my computer for three hours. Because, yeah, to go more into detail, they would have their normal... 24 hour sale of something and maybe an hour into the sale they would Ashley Wood would post up usually it's a usually a crude sketch so it's not even it's basically something to help pad the numbers yeah. or just use the existing mold and so he'd do this really quick ink sketch put it on the blog and you might not even know what it is it could just be a sketch to scr- it, it doesn't even have to be the figure and you would just sit behind your computer wondering maybe this means there's something going to surprise going to show up and yeah they put like 20 into the store you manically tried to check out and if you with the potential of getting a cart jacked which if for people that don't know that just means it's in your cart it's not it's not yours until you hit the final confirm button so it can get pulled by someone else who's checking out faster oh man and if you missed out you don't know when it's going to go back up on the store so you just have to sit there for it could be two, three hours between the times they show up. And with 3A based in Australia, that means you're up at like 8, 9, midnight on the West Coast. I couldn't do it, Scott. I don't know, I don't yeah. know how you do it. And you said it cost uh, you a relationship over it? No, I mean, I definitely think one of my past relationships was because it was, I was, that was when I was really, really heavily invested <laughs> in it. Into the brand, into we, the brand. We need to have an episode of just relationship breaks up just from collecting. There's got to be a yeah. lot of great stories out there. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame anyone that says I want to watch a movie and sorry, I'm waiting to buy a toy. <laughs> uh, um, it sounds like me, Scott. Are you yeah. the kind of person who like puts like calendar reminders on your work calendar for toy drops? <laughs> you have to. I have to block like I'll block like 30 minutes I'm like this toy's gonna drop and if I have a meeting I'm gonna be pissed <laughs> I, I never had to do that but when I used to work in retail obviously I don't have I'm not sitting behind a computer but I would either pray that a customer wasn't gonna walk in 
so I could be on the work computer trying to check out, or I would make up some BS story that I'm like, oh, I need to go in the back and check inventory, and I would be on my phone <laughs> for making purchases. Yeah. That's awesome. I remember one year I actually hid in the warehouse for a good 15, 20 minutes on Black Friday oh. to get something. <laughs> Dedication. Yeah. But no, 3A, when I first started, I was, I mean, I was buying probably about three things a month on average for a good two years. Wow. And then it just kind of eventually just thankfully just dropped off completely. It wasn't even a, really a slow decline. It just went from probably 30 things a year to like 10 or 15. What's the reason for that? Do you know? Um, change of direction from the artist would be the nice way to put it. Okay. Now, I know recently they've been doing licensing stuff more. I've seen they've done Iron Man, I think Captain America. Is that the more the direction they're leaning towards now is doing more license work than more Ashley Wood? Type? He's also doing the designs, right, though? Yeah, so, I mean, he, they have a Marvel license, which has gives a Ashley Wood spin on some of the figures. But I, there's just been less focus on the World War Robot line yeah. and the Pop Bot line, which is kind of what brought everyone in. Right. And so anything beyond that doesn't interest me. Okay. He has these very, he has these like, uh, been doing this, uh, line with, let's just call her, uh, creative director for the brand and his wife and his wife. And it's these kind of like, let's call them glorified Barbie dolls. So it's this thing called Poshka and Isobel, which are usually 12 inch figures of, females and they just have different fashion the long, the long leg ones right scott like the crazy long legged girl yeah it, it, that's what yeah they're that's like a very the long leg female is a very ashley wood style but the ones you probably have seen on blogs yeah it's those okay which when you're you know a grown man collecting robots with guns doesn't really uh trip to go with a blonde girl with the, the purse and the high heels doesn't do much for me personally. Now, if you started collecting those and that ruined the relationship, I would understand that. She's yeah. jealous. She's jealous of the toy. Yeah. Oh, some of them are you know, go. They, they, they go into some interesting territory with them. I will give them that. Yeah. I just don't like, it reminds me kind of, of course toys. Cause I know they tend to do a decent amount of pre-orders and you wait a bit to get your stuff, but I don't know. I feel like I'd struggle with that because, like, I just had a package delivered today of a thing that I pre-ordered at least six months ago. It came, and I was like, I don't even know what this is. And I opened it, and I was like, oh. And I wasn't, like, (laughs) I wasn't even really, like, that excited for it. Like, the time had passed. Like, I wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, for me, like, there's something about being in the moment, the excitement of, like, a toy just coming out and, like, seeing other people get it and post it and you want it and you have it. I don't know. I mean, do you struggle with that? Because I feel like I would have a really, really hard time with pre-ordering something so far in advance. At least for 3A, I'll just pretend, like, it's 2011 or 2012 and the glory days with them. The first purchase you make and first couple purchases, it's really a lot to just take in and be like, wait for it. But when you have a lot of things consistently, once you get past that like nine month mark and things start showing up at your door every few weeks, then you're like, oh, this, it doesn't seem like you're waiting on anything. Cause you're, yeah, it's something maybe you were excited about a year ago, but you're now getting new stuff in the mail all the time. So it doesn't feel as painful. Yeah. So they you definitely... say glory days. Are you saying that you feel like three A's not 
I mean, I know you were talking about the licensing and the girls and all that, but do you feel like it's just not the same lately? They are definitely way bigger than they were before. I mean, the, the early days there were probably less than a thousand fans worldwide. And there was like a year where it just blew up and they're into like the 6,000, 7,000 fan. Probably like okay. actively, like because they don't release run sizes when they sell something. There's some other numbers and people used to hint at it's a lot bigger than most people would think. So would you say they've lost the flippers because of that and because of losing the flippers, there's not much value being held into their toys anymore? Maybe, maybe because it is that more saturated thing where, you know, yeah, if there's, if everything's, you know, made to order and you have a hundred people that are actively buying things after that sales over and there's only a hundred in existence when, you know, you fast forward a year and now there's 300 people that want it. You, yeah. That's how the prices start to right. go up. And now there's so many people and. Yeah. It sounds like the supply is meeting the demand. Like it's not like, uh, you know, when you get into collectibles, you really need to get in before everyone else knows it's a collectible. Like, you know, you know, be saving your comic books before everyone else was saving comic books. Everyone else was trashing. Yeah. And, and, but now so many collectors are bagging and boarding things, and most of the collectors are probably have the stuff mint in box. It, it's just really not going to hold its value as much anymore. Yeah, there's the old figures that still command a nice price if you have them. But I never got into this hobby to begin with thinking that I was going to cash out in five or ten years, you know, never have to work another day in my life. Right. That's what I was going to say is like – I. It's a nice bonus, I guess, you know, if you've collected a thing and you're one of a hundred to own this piece that thousands now want. But like, I don't know, like if I really liked a piece, I wouldn't necessarily care that there were 3000 made versus only a hundred. I mean, if I really, really liked it and I wanted in my collection, you know, yeah, I'd get it. Yeah. I never, I, I, I never bought them to sell them later on. Like I thought I would keep them forever and I just was so sick of the company and sick of the way I had to wait and sick of the like they because they just don't care about you as a fan. They just don't or they didn't. Maybe they do now. But I just got so tired of them. I was like, I don't even like looking at these anymore. So lucky, luckily, they were some of the ones I had kept the boxes for and they just went right back in the box right on eBay. Hmm. Yeah, I, I what I enjoyed more about it for a while was the community and I would be lying if I said that wasn't that's probably the best thing that 3A has given me is there was a really tight-knit community for a while and even Ashley Wood was active in his own forum which is pretty awesome yeah and he and he there would be things that he would talk about in there and interact with people on a personal basis that's really special does that still exist or is that gone too no people kind of shit on his carpet and they took advantage of the fact that he was talking and then they would talk shit about him and you know as an artist you don't, you don't you're, you're trying that. to yeah you're trying to be nice to people and you know interact with your fans and you're just like well i don't want to deal with that but i mean either at comic-con there every year there used to be a lot of organizing to get all the 3a fans together in one place and everyone would say you know this is how many days i'm there this is where i'm staying and we'd all organize to have a big hoorah and that was really cool for a few years there yeah, that, that part sounds awesome. Yeah. I met him at um, in San Diego this year for, at the Deontwards. They did a Deontwards yeah. signing at 3A's pop-up shop. You actually got into that? I did. I got into you, it, luckily. How, um, many hour, how many years did you have to wait in line? 
I I can tell you the story real quick if you want to hear it. I, I want to. I, 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 I know they only let like five, 50 people in or something. It was supposed to be like, I think it was supposed to be 30 and they ended up, I think, doubling it. Um, and it took hours. Once you even had the ticket to get in, once they started, I was there for, I think, three and a half hours uh, waiting in line after I had already had the ticket to get in and they started the thing. Um, I checked the night before at midnight. I was like, okay, let me see how many people are standing out waiting. If there's no one there, I'll just go to bed and I'll see what it's like. And there was already a few people and I was like, okay, forget it. Like, because <laughs> they wouldn't let you start lining up till like 8 a.m. And I was like, all right, forget it. This is going to be, this is going to be ridiculous. So I, I didn't even bother going back because I checked in the morning at like, I don't know, 7.30 and the line was down the block. Um, I, so I went back around noon just to, because I wanted to still pick up the comic anyway. Yeah. And while I was there, a guy who had stood in line in the morning was walking around. He was like, hey, did you get the ticket for the signing? And I thought he was looking to get it. And I was like, no, dude, you can't get that anymore. That was this morning. He's like, no, he's like, I have a ticket, but I can't come back and I don't want it to go to waste. Do you want it? Wow. So I bought his, he was like, I'll give it to you for the regular price. Here's the comic. Here's the ticket. Just, you know, it's a 20 bucks for the thing. And I was like, sure. So I got, I was able to get his ticket to get in. Right place at the right time. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. It was perfect. And the guy didn't even, he didn't even like upsell it or anything. He gave it to me right for retail. Huh. Comic-Con God smiled upon you. Yeah, he just he just didn't want it to go to waste, which is awesome because, I mean, he could have just left and been like, whatever. He could have yeah. sold that. for. I saw how much that comic was going for signed by them right after the con. Yeah, he could have made a pretty penny if he wanted to. That's really nice of... Um, so yeah, so I got to I got to meet the, to meet them and stand in line, which which means I got to stand outside in the sun for three and a half hours <laughs> and get sunburned, <laughs> um, which sucked. But they were all really like, I mean, Ashley Wood was super nice. He was like, you know, t- talking to everybody, and that's what took the thing so long is because they would only take you up like individually, so that you had like a one on one with everybody. And they just they talk to you, they sign your stuff, whatever you wanted. Like I think you were allowed to sign like three different things, and they gave away they gave you a free poster that they would also sign. Like it was it was really a, a really nice event. Like did a re- they did a really good job for the fans. That's cool. It was just really hard to get, obviously, because it's Comic Con and you know the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. No, George, no. I can't. I cannot believe you just told this story because what I was going to bring up is a a friend and coworker of mine did that. I think he was at the same thing as you. I mean, probably there was only, you know, there's only one DM worth signing it. Yeah. Well, he said he got into this like special thing that only 50 people could go to, to meet him. So it sounds like the exact same event. Oh yeah. I mean, that that was, there was only that event. That was the only one there. So if he was there at Comic-Con and he was there, I was with him. Well, you may have met Phil back. Doubt it. (laughs) I didn't talk to anybody (laughs) but the two people in front of me. The famous (laughs) Phil back. The famous Phil Back. But she yeah, li- no, she he... likes to say first and last names. I don't know why. Phil well, Back. give Phil Back my, my love, and I'm glad he was there, and we're brothers <laughs> in line. Yeah. <laughs> I like saying full names, Gary. I know. There's nothing wrong with that. You're you're weird, and I like your weirdness. <laughs> so, so, Scott I Kettler, you. I want to ask you something. So, you, you, <laughs> you talked about uh, having a relationship ruined over collecting. Now... I want to know, could you personally date a collector yourself? Uh, no, I could not. Kind of <laughs> did that. Kind of did that once and kind of left me sour because it was like a divorce where 
when you break up, which ultimately is going to happen, you know, who gets what? Oh, no. Did you go on, like, halvesies? Like, so it wasn't your toy? It was, like, a, a joint toy? It was with that uh, last time I was on, the one I, that I got started collecting with. Oh, the Ugly Dolls. Okay. Ugly Dolls. There are some legit Ugly Dolls that or we had that I do, I do not have currently. Sure. Oh, heartbreak. Yeah. And, of course, she so, gets it all because she was the one that introduced it to you, right? Was that kind of thrown in her face? It was kind of like it was at her <laughs> house. It was at her house, so what okay. am I going to do, break in and take them all? Um, plus, I don't want to date another are we talking like to, like designer toy collector? Or yeah, I'm not. Like, I'm talking. I'm talking about strictly toys. I mean, someone okay, not someone that collects like coins, coins, or something by, that's completely coins different. that are crushed by trains or right. shark teeth. I'm gonna assume it's something different. I mean, could you date someone, George Teresa? Could you guys? Well, I guess George, you kind of have Teresa. Could you date someone <laughs> who also is into collecting toys uh, to to your level of collecting? Yeah, probably. But now you're making me think, Scott, about the whole. I have to be very clear about what which ones are mine. Oh yeah, yeah. get a prenup on all this stuff. So or start buying duplicates or something. Like if we both really really like something, be like, well, I'm going to buy mine if you want. You have one too. That's another problem. I don't know, but yeah, that could be really hard. If like, especially if it was like someone who liked the same stuff as me. Like it, it would sound silly to get duplicates, but right. that man, that would be rough to have to sit and deal with. Who gets Divvying what? up all the good. <laughs> Man. Okay, what if they didn't like the same thing as you? Could you how oh, could you have your house also taken over by let's say you met someone who's into grotesque sofubi? Could you have that your two worlds meshing in the same household? Or no? I mean You'd let it happen for the love of the other person. I mean, it would just have to be in its own little space. I mean, you always you always have stuff that you don't like in your own house. I mean, I'm sure you have. I mean, even if you're not dating someone who collects things, your your significant other is going to like things that you don't like. I mean, you you allow it to happen because they want it there. Right, but collectors are different. If it's someone who like buys the occasional knickknack and they're sort of into seashells or seahorses, okay, that's fine. But when someone's making three to five purchases weekly and it's showing up at the doorstep and all of a sudden it's taking over this room of the house and then that room of the house and then the closets and then storage units, hey, that's a lot to deal with. Yeah, I mean I've done it. I've done both the you know, the collecting with someone who doesn't collect the same thing and the breaking up of the two collections. And uh, it's not. it wasn't that hard. Okay. Because <laughs> like it, it actually helped, I think, that we didn't collect the same things. Because then when when it was like which one's yours, which one's mine, it's like oh well this one's obviously yours. Like, right? You know, you collect yeah. you collect this thing. This is you know this is you get to keep this, and this is obviously the things I like more. And even if we both liked the thing, one of us always liked it more. So you know it was it was pretty easy to split the stuff up that way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you can always find the thing again. Yeah. You know, you usually for the most part, if, unless it's like one off paintings and things like that. But for the most part, you can find the thing again. If you really miss it. Yeah, there is something that I w- was after. It took about four years to finally track it down. What was it? Uh, Don't leave us hanging. Oh, I... <laughs> something so not even that exciting to most people. It was one of No Friends Pecan Pals. Oh, I love those. <gasps> those I'm... are great. Grayscale uh, or natural? Natural. I... Mm. And then it, like, once I got that, it kicked me back into gear of, like, oh, yeah, I really like these. I need to go... And 
track them all down now. So those are some I'm, of my all-time favorites. I'm right still there. hunting. I got one left that does not show its face ever. Mm, which one's this? Which one is it? It is um, the pink one. Okay. The girl. I think she's got a staff. It's called Finelli. Finelli. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, those are some of the best <laughs> ones. I, I got yeah, I got the natural on the color set. I grayscale oh. gray did not appeal to me, but they they sit in the closet. And uh, when my when my kids was a I don't know maybe one or two, they uh, they shattered the the roller skates the roller <laughs> the roller skates of the roller skater. I can't think of her name right now, but so that bummed me out. But like you said, they're hard to find, so I don't think it's ever um. gonna get, it's ever gonna get replaced. Gary, I don't want kids. It hurts me. <laughs> no, but you know what? There's a memory there. I mean, I can look at that toy now. I've, I mentioned it before. Like, you know, it's all a toy breaks. No big deal. And I can look at that toy, and it's it's hard to explain if you don't have kids. But now I can look at that, and there's now not only is it just a you know inanimate object sitting on a shelf, but there's a memory associated to it. And yeah, it might not be the greatest memory in the world, but it, it, it's a memory. And it, it, it's associated to that one particular pecan pal that none of the others have. None of the others have a story behind it. So in that sense, it's it's a it's, it's special in a weird sort of way. I got it. It's funny you all have this. I actually have the grayscale. I have two of them: the huh. the chubby roller skater girl, and then the guy on the stump. Nice. Does it kill you not to have the whole set? No, because honestly, I don't. Um, I really like the two characters I got. I I would like to maybe get. Like the grayscale are probably aren't my favorite of the colorways, but um, but I like them. Yeah, I um, the one with the roller skates, I like it because it has a little camera on its neck, like a little camera accessory. Yeah. And so I have it out just with photos, as if like she took the photos. <laughs> That's cute. I like that idea. Whatever happened to No Friend? Does anybody you know? know? You know, they're still around. I follow them on Instagram, Scott, and they've been doing, um, they haven't been doing a lot of toys, but they do do still a lot of paintings. Okay. So they're still actively, I think for a while they kind of stopped and then recently they started posting a lot more, but um, it's mostly 2D art from what I've seen, but it's still really, really pretty. So maybe one day, maybe we'd get some more toys again. That'd be fun. That'd be down. Are we done with That's the 3A scary. talk? Do we have to revisit that, or do you think we covered that pretty good? I got to mention something, Gary. Okay. You know what drives me a little bit crazy is those – so those squares, which in my mind are actually kind of cute in a way because they've got kind of like a little duck bill with like a little tooth. Right. They're super derpy. Yeah, they're super yeah. derpy. Like kind of cute and derpy. Yeah. But they always – and I get that this is like the aesthetic that 3A does, but they always like weather it heavily like yeah. all their work is very very weathered and has this like look of being grimy and dirty but i'm like man like if they just took that square and just did it in like a cute plain color like, i would totally buy that yeah, <laughs> that would be cool to, it would be funny to see that like the the cutified version of the square set like just the right. whole set of them and done in like regular style like yeah. super cartoony i think they did a they did a few like kind of tamer things that weren't weathered and war-torn you could always track down the blank ones and paint it yeah i just it's always like bummed me out because that's like the only the probably of all the pieces the one i'm I'm familiar with the squares and then there's like a little apple that kind of has the same kind of yeah a, a similar aesthetic but i'm like man those squares like i feel like they really could be cute if there weren't 
if they took kind of the war weathering aesthetic off and then just did kind of like a pink one. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I've, I've never been into right? – I think they're – I always thought they were adorable. I love the derpy expression, but I'm exactly with you. It's like that – that weathering look, it's never appealed to me in really any toy, and it just wouldn't fit my right. collection. And I prefer things that are a little more tighter and cleaner, and if they had one like that, yeah, I probably would have bought one because I really, really liked them. I think the the Medix version of that was the white with the you know red cross on the side. That was the one that I was actually heavily debating purchasing, but it was the weathering that made me oh. end up not making that purchase. That's what makes them so special is they – the medic is actually probably one of the nicest ones they've ever done because they do this like uh, silver dry brush on the top of it, so it almost looks like the paint has peeled away and it's the metal underneath. Oh, that's cool. The technique, I mean, I told- the technique on them is at least the, the on the older stuff was amazing. It was the the person who it wasn't just them churning them out in a factory. There was a guy who worked for 3A and then over really heavily oversaw the entire process and made sure they all looked amazing. It's not my taste, but I totally respect and like appreciate that kind of detail. Like I think when people do, whether it's a custom or a production toy, but when they make something look weathered to the point where like you actually think it's weathered. And I think three a has done that. Like they do a really good job of making it look like the characters have been out in war out sitting in the, you know, the sun and the rain and the weather and what have you. So it, it's just not personally my taste, but I think they're, they're awesome. I just would love to see some cutified versions. I don't know. I just, that's the one piece where I feel like I would own that and have it on my shelf. If they, if they cutified it, just like a designer concert, if it just wasn't black, right? <laughs> exactly. You know they're they're doing their own thing, and they you know they're not trying to cater to you know every single audience out there, but they're so close to getting us. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of their aesthetic, and I mean they should own their aesthetic. And I mean from what Scott was talking about, they've kind of branched out a bit, you know, trying to do the more those female type figures. But again, it's still not entirely there or in my wheelhouse, but it might kind of branch out and pull more people in. But I mean, I don't, it, how I many, don't are, think... the, are the women buying that Scott or is it guys? No, it's like, it's definitely guys right. who don't yeah. have to answer to wives or girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> I it's, mean, it's, it, it probably tries to be a female empowerment thing, but they're, they don't come off that way. Right. I mean, they're, I think I don't expect every company to appeal to me. I mean, you know what I mean? Like they should own the aesthetic they have. And if it's going to be their aesthetic, that's fine. It just means I'm not going to be into it. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with them having the aesthetic they have. Right. Would their fan base maybe think that they're selling out if they did start designing and catering to maybe a, a little, a different audience, more like yourself. Something that's a little cleaner, not as weathered, brighter, more pretty colors. I don't consider that selling it out. That would make me happy. I don't know. I'm not a, I, like, I'm not, care. No, I wouldn't sure. care. I they didn't, haven't done it for me in years. So I'm not, I don't take any of it personally. You know, Gary, that question reminds me very, it literally to me, again, I'm gonna go back to course toys because I'm what you would consider like a newer course toy collector, like omens and beyond. So like obviously the stuff I'm into that course has is on the cuter side, the quies and the omens and the rabbit. Uh, what are the rabbits called? Nibble. Nibble. Yeah. Root, nibble and root. But like the, they're obviously branching out and getting kind of a little bit 
away from their original aesthetic, which was more of the, and again, I'm not, I'm a newer collector, so I'm probably not even going to talk to it appropriately, but the kind of the old school figures with the humans and all of that, it almost sounds very similar to what you're talking about, where Chorus went and had kind of this original fan base, but wanted to sort of expand it or make different figures. And it pulled people like me in, but there's still that original collector base. Some of them that are like really bitter about it. Like they really don't like the fact that there's a thing like an omen and there's the nibble and the root. Like that's like, they're like, that's not course. That's not the course that I fell in love with. Like, what are you all doing? You're making something that's like, not what I want. I want what you've always done. Yeah. So it's it's just so silly though. Right. Because Markin's fan of, of course, toys should, they should be able to do whatever they want to do. Like, why do they, like some people yeah. just assume that artists should have to work in the exact same style for the rest of their lives. And, and so what if you end up having fair weathered fans that, you know, sometimes purchase from you and sometimes not. It's like, it's good for business to have a wider target, uh, target audience. And if that's where Markin's fan feel like, you know, one day designing for a, a cuter side, like artists right. sometimes want to work in a variety of different styles. Sometimes that's where you are in your, you know, artistic process and that yeah. you want to grow and try and do different things. And if that's what they want to do, their fan base should support them. Yeah. Um, and not just, you know, expect them to just do exactly what they want right. every single time. And I feel like even though they have branched out and tried some more different stuff and maybe, you know, appealing to a cuter audience like yourself, Teresa, like they're, what they're still doing and the style that they're still working is still very much their brand. Like you look at it and you still know it's course. So it's not that much of a derailment from their original approach. It's, it's just different. I mean, everyone's in it to make money and get more fans. So you can't, you can't constantly cater to the same 50 people for years. Right. Yeah. And it's not like it's not like they've lost their their way. I mean, they still like they made a new false friends recently, which is like the pair of like a a human and another character, like more of their traditional type stuff. And like the new ones that we are talking about, the ones with like the exploding bodies and all of that. It's not like they have lost it. They still do that. They still do what I would consider kind of old school course, but they're doing new stuff as well. And so, like, there's people like me who are tacking onto that, and then they still make stuff for kind of those older collectors. So, I, to me, it's a win-win, but I feel like some people can get heartburn when things change. And I feel like almost like if 3A started to do that, like the really old – and maybe it's already kind of transitioned that way from what you're talking about, Scott, where yeah. there's already older collectors who've kind of fallen out based on the direction they've taken. But I feel like if they kept doing it, it's just going to – there, there might cause even more heartburn. But again, like, it's just the way of how things should go. Like, things should evolve and change, and they should try different things and, and you know, do what you do as an artist, where you explore and try and, and grow and change. I mean, that's just what – it's just how things are. Yeah. I mean, being stagnant as a company, I guess, can sometimes be bad, And but you want to be a little more diverse as a company. But, you know, as far as artists, I think a lot of people want them to be more stagnant and work in that same style for – you know, it's a lot of artists, you can't tell the difference between their styles today and 20 years ago. Not much change, you know? Most artists' yeah. fan base won't let them change either. So, like, if it's it's good if you can just ignore them and just change anyway because you'll find new people, you know? You'll find new audience. But it's yeah. it's scary. It's hard to do that. I mean, George, have you ever had that happen with, like, your sculpting style? No, because I don't really have, like, I'm not, I don't sculpt as an artist to make, you know, my own things. I'm more, like... I try and capture someone else's style when I'm trying, because I'm sculpting for artists. So okay. I'm trying to capture their style. I don't have a style of my own to put into it. 
That makes sense. You're like a shapeshifter. You be who you need to be. Exactly. I'm yeah. a sculptor for hire. I'm not, I'm not an artist. Have you ever wanted to do your own stuff? Uh, no, not really. I like sculpting for other people. I like, cause I'm, I'm inspired by other people's stuff. So I like to, I, I, the challenge for me is translating it into 3d. So I like to take other people's things and figure out how to make it look good in 3d. Right. And you do it damn well, George. So let's take a brief uh, moment to mention our sponsors. So for all your designer toy needs and desires and it's holiday season is upon us and you want to do some shopping for your friends and family and all that good stuff, be sure to check out 3DRetro.com. And 3D Retro also has a brick and mortar location out there in beautiful Southern California. And then there's StrangeCatToys.com. Be sure to use promo code DOPE at checkout and you'll receive 10% off your entire order. And for all your designer toy news, be sure to follow and check out thetoychronicle.com and spankystokes.com. All right, let's get back to Scott. Now, Scott, I, I do want to touch on something that we didn't talk to you about last time. So mm-hmm. I'm, let's talk about it now. So we were talking about how you essentially got into the toy scene through Ugly Dolls. You're a fan of Ugly Dolls and David Horvath and, and all that stuff. And then at some point, you went from being a fan of a lot of different artists to being a friend to a lot of different artists. And not just like the, uh, the occasional acquaintance type person that you'll see at a convention. You say, Hey, remember me? And you know, you talk, no, you actually became genuine friends with a lot of different artists in the toy scene. And like, what's that like making that transition from fan to friend? Uh, it's still pretty unreal at times just because some of these people are super normal but when I step back and say, oh, I am friends with this person or that person, they're a really big deal. And it's just crazy to still be on like a first name basis with a lot of them. So how did you make that leap from fan to friend? Do you have any good stories of how you became friends with a lot of the different artists? Like for one, I know um, Dan Goodsell, Mr. Toast is someone that you're really friendly with. Like, how did that come about? Yeah, um, it actually is a pretty fun story. Um so my early days, last time you know, I talked about, I used to go to Japan, LA and Monkey King, you know, two, three times a month. And so I was made, I'm really good friends with present and past employees at Monkey King. And I was good friends with the shop owner, Jamie from Japan, LA. And in fall 2010, Jamie messages me saying, uh, hey, do you want to help volunteer at the uh, Sanrio was putting on a 50th anniversary uh, event in Santa Monica inside an airport hangar for two or three weeks. And she needed volunteers because she was curating the fine art portion of it. Okay. And so she's, hey, just come up, you know, come down. Whatever artists might need help, you know, setting up their installation, just help out whoever needs help. Uh, so I, so I go down there and, I mean, Dan happened to be there, but I didn't know Dan other than just seeing him at Decon for once or twice. Um, I got paired up helping Joe Ledbetter all day, which was super cool. So by helping helping out Joe all day um, and even talking to Dan, um, when the next year came around, Dan, who has, you know, has a really good judge of character, I think, for people reached out to me and asked, Hey, do you want to 
or are you going to Comic-Con this year? And I was like, no, not planning on it because I was turned off by Comic-Con from my previous experience. <laughs> and they's like, well, do you want to come to Comic-Con? And I was like, yeah, I'll come to Comic-Con. And so he said, just help, help out on my booth and you're at Comic-Con. So Dan was my very lucky in into yeah. the world a little bit. Yeah, like you said, you know, other than just being a fan that says, hey, remember me from last year, being at Comic-Con every morning and seeing artists and talking to them, not just about small talk for toys, but being able to just chat with them kind of gave me more kind of recognition. And I think they started to associate me more with whatever. Right. I like um, how you tooted your horn a little bit there, saying that Dan Goodsell was a, a good judge of character. And then he chose you to man his booth the next year. <laughs> <laughs> he Dan, uh, the more you hang out with Dan, he he's an interesting person and to chat with, and especially at a convention with people walking by and people walking up, he's got a good memory for things. Yeah, I mean that was the way I kind of everything else just kind of happened. Everything just kind of fell in after that with you know knowing people like Frank and you and whoever else I would normally name drop at this point so scott hmm. i i don't know about you but for me for like whatever reason i i kind of almost equated artists to like celebrities in a way yes. i don't know if you feel the same way but like like very first decon it was like weird like going up to booths was like oh my god you're this artist and oh my god you're that artist and you feel almost like you're walking around like all these celebrities and um it's weird. Like it's good. It's weird. And then like now through meeting Gary and the podcast and everything, it's like, it's not that I've like lost that, but like almost that sort of layer of, Oh, these are like untouchable celebrities. Like, <laughs> Oh no, we've jaded you. I, I feel like now, like the sheens, wore, the sheens worn off Gary. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone's just people like artists are just people. And I don't know. I'm just curious and if when you, did have, you like, notice it. Well, I guess it takes nothing like meeting me to realize that there's nothing special about <laughs> most of us. But I know when we went bowling, it was something you definitely noticed, the, the normalcy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just this weird, like, feeling of, like, like I know you all are people, but, like, at the same time, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. Like, you were Gary Ham, and then you'd like talk to me, and you gave me your cell phone number, and I was like, "Why did Gary Ham give me his cell phone number? Like, what?" <laughs> I don't know. It's I don't think weird. you ever told the story of how you and I met. I don't think it's ever been told. Oh. Tell it. Oh well, it was at the DTA, right? The DTA. Yeah, the um, Toy Awards. Yep. So we, um, yeah. So as part of the. So I'd gone to designer con and that was kind of my first thing. And then that was like celebrity world, right? Like I new to this, I'm walking around meeting, introducing to people, but like still super, super nervous and like feeling weird. Like, what am I doing? I'm so awkward. And you're by yourself, <laughs> like, which is even more weird. You don't have like a friend to like kind of lean on in this right. awkwardness. You're just walking exactly. around designer toy awards by yourself. Right. So then five points rolls around. And part of the VIP was that you could go to designer toy awards and get into it. So, yeah, I went to Five Points alone, and so I, 
it, it took a lot, honestly, for me to like go and get in that line and go to this thing where I had to walk in by myself. I was like, what am I doing? Cause like, it's just not me, but I did it. I sucked it up and I went and I was standing in like the room and I was like trying to look around. I remember if you recall, we were talking about how dark and loud it was. So it was kind of hard to see who was even there, but uh, I saw you, Gary, across the way, and I was like, that's Gary Ham. And I was like, I don't know, because you were, like, surrounded by, I think, horrible adorables and Chris and the man. I was like, that's a lot of people I know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, should I do this? Should I, like, go say hi? And I was like, you're either going to stand here, like, talking to no one, or you're going to suck it up, and you're going to go say hi. And so somehow I got myself to go over and say hi to Gary Ham. Mr. Gary Ham, and I don't know. That was like I think if I hadn't done that, I don't know what what had happened because we ended up talking, and then I ended up going back and talking to you all a bunch, and we hung out at Five Points, and then I became a member of the podcast and all of that. So <laughs> yeah, like that one little now you're a celebrity. But no, yes you are. <laughs> yeah, people were stopping. Come on, JPK knew who you were, designer con. I know, right? What's happening? But yeah, I don't know. I feel like that one little decision of deciding to just suck it up and be awkward and say hi. Now, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's weird. Defining moment in my life. Yeah, I mean, I even though a lot of the, I'm very kind of like we'll use the word jaded. There have been times where I've had dinner with people, and at the time. It was like, oh, this is cool. And then I walk out afterwards, and me and my girlfriend were just like, holy shit, we just had dinner <laughs> with these people. Like, right. that, no one's going to believe it because we don't have, we're not going to take pictures at this thing. So there's times where it's still just kind of like, it hits me that I'm very, for, very fortunate to know so many amazing creative people. For sure. And well, but do you feel like, too, Scott, that, like, there's still people that I still have a few people I'm scared to say hi to? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, Frank Frank Kozik being one of them. I really want to say hi and introduce. I just am so scared. <laughs> see, and that's where I started. So maybe that's why I'm better at meeting other people because I started with the tough one. Yeah, and it's funny because right. when we were at DesignerCon, we were at the Horrible Adorables booth, and Frank did stop by, and he was, you know, chatting it up with um, Jordan, and um, I would, like, look at him every once in a while, but we never met eye contact, so I just never went up to him to, you know, to, you know introduce myself and all that stuff, but I knew Teresa wanted to meet him, too, so I, we saw him outside, and I'm like, well, screw it, you know, let's, let's go meet him, and so I introduced myself, but then I forgot to introduce <laughs> Teresa. I, that's how I am. I'm a terrible introducer, so I feel bad that I, um, you know, we did have the moment we were talking to Frank, but I forgot <laughs> to introduce Teresa because I know that she wanted to talk to him. I'm terrible. You failed me. I did. I don't know, and it's it's the thing is, like, I, I know he's not, like, I feel like I know he's like a big teddy bear. And even like I watched, so like Scott's girls did their yeah, so uh, interviews at, at designer con and like they interviewed Frank and he was super sweet. And I'm like, I feel like I, I don't know what it is. It's just like this weird feeling still with certain artists that I like, there's certain ones that like I just know now and I'm comfortable with. And I feel like I go walk up and talk and no problem. And there's still some out there that it's still that sort of weird, like, I don't know, like, am I going to annoy them? Or, like, do they want to, like, do, should I say hi? I don't know. It's, There's it's plenty weird. of people I don't even approach to this day because of that. 
I, I, some people are just approachable. You can tell, like, oh, you know, you just get that, you just get that feeling. And then there's certain people that's like, no, I don't think they'd want to talk to me. Yeah. Well, first, the person I am still scared to talk to, and it's been two decons now, is I can't muster up the courage to talk to Chet Czar. <laughs> that's amazing. Chet's like the <laughs> nicest guy. He he intimidates me. It's like him sitting there surrounded by his art. I'm, I, I, I just, oh, I want to, because I, he's, when I started collecting, even though he wasn't doing designer toys, I always, I kept on catching his art and it's always been awesome to me and I can't muster it up to get to talk to him. Um, <laughs> so Scott, other, wait. On the other I, side, I'm oh, not, go. I'm not familiar with Chet. Is he on Instagram? I want to look him up. You, you might be scared of him. If you don't want to have night, <laughs> if you don't want night, if you don't want to have any nightmares, yeah, it's, look it's him up Teresa, tomorrow. That, uh, yeah. Oh, What's just your... look okay, him up. Then. It's Chet Czar, C H E T Z A R, Chet Czar. He's the master oh, of dark oh. art. Should I take okay, my headphones off? Okay, so this is why off? I probably don't know him because it's not my aesthetic. No, but it should be. He's an amazing painter. <laughs> He's nuts. Yeah. So Scott, we're gonna make we're gonna make a deal with each other. When we go to Designer Con next, we're both going to face our fears. And we're going to say hi to the people we're scared of. <laughs> okay. I can do that next year. We, we can do it. You guys should totally do it. It'll be a little challenge. You know, it's tough to break out of that shell. And that's what you will need to do. I think because of being really because of doing this podcast, I've talked to a hell of a lot more artists and companies than I probably ever would have in the past. I, it's, you know, it's, I probably never would have approached a, a Skinner or, or a Paul Kaiju at a convention just merely because I don't think they want to talk to me. Why would they want to talk to me? I'm like, uh, our styles are so different. And, and um, yeah, you, you also, yeah, you do just get nervous just talking to people that you don't know. And I think it's because I would associate their toys with them. And that's the case. Like, the book doesn't always match the cover. Just because their toys are psychedelic doesn't mean that they are like if my experiences right both skinner and paul are like extremely and super nice guys and very easy to talk to so why i would didn't push them in the past is i, I yeah. don't get it well, and from it's oh, go ahead oh, I was just no. saying, it's, fun, it's, it's funny because i collect a lot of cute so maybe that's why i've had pleasant experiences because i feel like if you're going to make cute stuff I don't know, you gotta have like a you gotta be nice <laughs> i don't know but but maybe there are people out there like who don't match so far, everyone I've met like has pretty much like been super super nice. I've yet to try to walk up or meet or talk to anyone and had it be like complete opposite or just not what I expected. Um, I mean, obviously, some people are more uh, like extroverted and, and will chat a lot more. You know, some people are more introverted and don't necessarily t- like carry on like the longest conversation. But so far, everyone I've ever met or talked to has been super nice. Yeah, I would say most of the meetups have been great. I mean, maybe less than a handful weren't, and I'm sure we've all had those, you know, sort of soured experiences where it was sort of disappointing meeting the artists. And uh, hopefully, anyone who does have those stories, it uh, has not turned them off too much to the artists or their toys or or whatever. It's not just toys. I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, have met their favorite comic book artists and stuff too. And you know, the it just the meetup did not go well for whatever reason from. You know, maybe the person was in a bad mood or just like you mentioned, Teresa, too introverted to make a connection with or could be they're just the arrogant asses they also came across as. So it's hard to say, but I don't think that's for those stories or for public consumption. So, um, Scott, we were talking to you earlier about well, we were just talking about, um, you know, going from fran- a fan to friend. But I also kind of, Scott, want to get back to you, you know, dating a collector. So you mentioned you're, you're 
previously had dated a collector and, you know, there, a breakup happened and you had to sort of separate the collection and all that. And that that's Heartbreak City. But going forward, do you think you would date another collector or do you think, how do I put this? Would you have rule, like new rules or what kind of rules would you have in place for, you know, potentially dating a, a collector? Um, I've, I've done the collectors that date a collector that doesn't work. And I've done the date someone that has no interest whatsoever in collecting. That definitely did not work. Um, and then maybe I just, it's you. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. Come on now. <laughs> the same, it's like, I'm like the Taylor Swift. It's, it's not the guys in all the songs. That's the problem. Um, and then my current girlfriend, she's not a collector. She appreciates a portion of what I collect. A lot of it does not like, but appreciates it, it that it's a creative outlet. Um, so I think for me, that's my happy medium. Um, that's, that's right. And no, that's a good medium too. Cause it's, you know, every relation, good relationship has its compromises and to understand, you know, why we collect it's something, at least it's something that you need someone to appreciate and at least respect what we do. Like, you know, getting into a kind of relationship with someone who's constantly poo-pooing on what you collect and why you collect, that's, that eventually is going to take its toll and not going to work out. What you need is someone who's going to appreciate what you do. Yeah. And there are things that she would never buy. She would never buy any of it, but she, if she likes it that much that she's like, if I had the money and it was, you know, I was a col- I had the habits of collecting. I would totally put that in my house. Um, yeah, it's it's acceptance. That's it's it's always good to have someone who accept like accepts you for what you like and are into, and isn't necessarily maybe like wanting to participate, but like is okay with the fact that you get two packages a day and <laughs> filling up your house with all this stuff. Because yeah. <laughs> I kind of had that. Like I I. I you know, during all this collecting, you know, the one person I was dating at least was maybe not necessarily into it, but like completely okay with me being into it. Cause he's like, if it makes you happy, go for it. Like you do you. So it's, it's good when you can find someone who's, who, who accepts you for, for your weirdness as Gary would say, cause I'm, I'm weird, but <laughs> it's me. <laughs> you're, you're a little weird, but I mean, it's always weird when you're dating someone and you realize, like, okay, when and how do I introduce them to what I collect? Because it's, you know, I would assume if they weren't into it, that would be an immediate deal breaker at that point. Uh, I think both time, my major relationships, they didn't know what they were. I would probably mention in like small talk, like, oh, I collect these like art toys. I don't think they ever knew what they signed up for until they came over and yeah. started seeing the stuff. And they're like, oh, <laughs> this is this is intense. This is way this is way worse than I could have imagined. I I laugh because I've been there, Scott. It's like yeah. I remember when I was dating, I would bring someone over, and you know most people were accepting of it, but I think I always got labeled as the forty year old virgin guy. Like I was, I was Steve Carell to them. You know, I just yeah, it was just something that most of them could not relate to, and it was always interesting just having to kind of like sh- you know this is who I am. You, this is me. You know. Yeah, I do like the more outsider perspective that does someone that appreciates art but doesn't want to do it than get into the same stuff because I'll run things by my girlfriend and like, oh, can, should I get this? 
And even though she, the answer is always, you know, I know it doesn't matter what she says, I'm going to make up my own decision. Sometimes the little extra input helps as a filter. Um, yeah. Sometimes I do get like, oh my God, yes, that's beautiful. You should totally get it. And then other times it's, and most of the time it's, you're crazy. Why do you need that? You already have four others that look just like it. <laughs> that's usually, yeah. that's usually what I'm confronted with. That's a tough See? thing to explain is the, the completest or yeah. all the different oh. colorways. I, yeah. I have, we have the same conversation all, like every time I get something that I have multiple of already, we go through the same conversation of like, just so explain it to me why you need another one of these. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because the I like I like being able to do that, but obviously Gary, there are certain people who who do not assist in uh, reining me in. <laughs> oh right, I get blamed like, again. Like well, sometimes I like to reach out. Like like I'll flip, you know, I, I don't necessarily have a significant other to do it, but like if I did, I could see bouncing like someone who's not kind of into it. Sometimes I think it's nice to get someone's thoughts. Like I'll be like, what do you think of this? Like. You know, do you like this colorway? What do you think? Like, do you think it's worth this price? And sometimes it's nice to have that ability to bounce that off of someone who's maybe not as ingrained to kind of give just a, a a thought or opinion on it. But at the same time, I could see it being extremely frustrating where there's someone constantly just saying, why do you want this again? <laughs> Are you sure you need this? Right. When, when you're like looking at something, you're like, man, I really want this. So, but sometimes it's good to, like, you know, step out for a sec and be like, okay, you know, do do I really want this? Or should I wait for another colorway or what? Now, George, Jess isn't a collector at all. Like, how did she adjust to you? Especially with the move, seeing how much yeah. stuff you've accumulated. Uh, you want me like, to let her just... answer that? She's right <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, let's, let's hold hear on, it, let's, Hold on, let's get her perspective. <laughs> Hi, Jess. <laughs> Hi. Hey. Hi, Jess. What happened? What was the question? Like how we were talking about dating a collector and could you ever date another collector? So, but you're not a collector and then, but you started dating George who has 20, 30 years of collecting and then you ended up moving with him, and you saw how much just to you is probably crap. He's been collecting and just hoarding for the last 30 years. Like how, as someone that he's dating, like how did you adjust to that? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> oh boy! And I, and I still haven't. <laughs> the, the show just got good, <laughs> but no. But you still love George, for even despite his weird, you know, habits. Yeah, it definitely it it was easier for me because I had knew what the scene was about already. Like I kind yeah. of knew a little bit because of Ben and Victoria. I'd been to Designer Con. I kind of knew what the vinyl like toy scene was. But then, like, dating it and, like, <laughs> seeing people actually buying it and taking it home was a different thing. But yeah. uh, but we have rules in the house. We do have... House rules. Let's hear them. Yeah. Uh, Let's break it down. So it, toys only go in designated areas. <laughs> okay. Mostly in George's office. Uh we have, I've uh, bookshelved out a lot of, uh, I painted some bookshelves from Ikea. And so the toys can go on that. Okay. Um, he tries to hide things, like thinking that George! I don't see them. Oh. But I find them instantly. <laughs> no, you're, I don't hide like... things. I put new <laughs> things out in funny places. 
That's how that. That's how that goes. No, okay, you're not, not how it goes. Candy um, just like you open the cookie jar and you're like, "What is yeah. that thing doing in there?" Yeah, <laughs> like he bought like this like little pygmy hippo blind box thing, and and I hate tiny things. I'm like, it's junk. Throw it away. It's what's this one inch <laughs> pygmy hippo gonna do? And so now he's like hiding it on my candles. <laughs> or like he'll hide it near the sink. Oh. Like he'll well, try. That's fun. He's trying to It's your house you. mascot. You need to embrace it. Give him a name. Make it's not like... the first thing he's tried hiding before. Let me just say, we wouldn't have the tiny pygmy hippo if we didn't have to go to Japan LA to get your Hello Kitty stuff. Oh. <laughs> Listen. Bam. Okay. <laughs> George, we're gonna have a talk after. <laughs> she does, but I do. Kids. But recently, I think with dating him, uh, I've been getting to collect a little bit more of like the the cuter kawaii type things. Like I have a shelf. Like I have two little shelves in the kitchen. But if it doesn't fit, it you like something's got to go. I'm not gonna pack it up and store it. Oh, just wait, Jess. Just wait. Oh, you'll see. No, I I see what's in our storage though. We have a storage unit. Don't give all my secrets. Because George, I want to know what other rooms these toys are. Are they allowed in the magic room? Oh, Jesus, Carrie. Uh, what? Where the magic happens. We we actually we don't have like I actually don't want any toys in the bedroom personally. Like I don't want any. Uh, Good. I don't okay, want yeah, stuff yeah. in the bedroom. I don't like a cluttered bedroom. I like it to be yeah. like clean, neat. I, I like it to be minimalist in there if I can. So like, and you don't want toys falling off the shelves and stuff. Yeah, no. It's like I, I'd rather like I don't. I don't actually like contrary to what my apartment looks like before and and yeah. some of my room looks like currently. I actually don't like it to be super stuffy and stuffed. But I just had too much stuff for the tiny space I was living in, um, and I just never took anything down because I have I have a problem like. I don't like to be the guy that like rotates it or puts it in a box in a closet and then takes it out and just puts it out like certain times a year. Like if I have it, I want it out. Like if okay. I'm like if I'm going to put it in a box, like I really like I have a, like even the store stuff I have in storage right now. I have such a hard time like keeping the storage because it's like, why do I want this stuff if it's just sitting in storage? I'd rather have it out. OK, he says that. But he doesn't mean it because <laughs> then we'll go through the boxes and he'll be like, oh, I sculpted that. I don't, oh yeah, I sculpted that. Oh, I sculpted right. that. Oh, I can't get rid of that. I had that since I was seven. Oh, I can't get rid of it. Like that was <laughs> that was sent to me by a friend oh. from twelve years ago. So he says these things, but he don't mean it. What do you hate the most that he has in the in the in the house? Oh, I hate this episode. Uh, <laughs> it's my favorite episode so far. I think this goes back to the thing of I don't hate anything because he likes it. Oh, come on. No. There's not, like, one toy that you find either, like, really ugly or annoying. Yeah. Is there something that you just want to constantly throw a t-shirt over Just or just want to hide from them? Mm -mm. No, I don't think so. I had one of those, Gary. Oh, I definitely. 3A, funny enough. That's definitely one for me. (laughs) Which one, Scott? 3A stuff. That's always the I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a Sony Angel, which have you seen those jazz with the little wee wees? No. But it. George is gonna look it up. I think they're at Japan LA, or at least. Yeah, so, Sony Angel. I have one, and I only have the one, and I don't collect them because I can't get over their their naked hoo ha parts. It's kind of like it was that one thing 
that um, my significant other, uh, previous significant other, like, could, like, did not like. He's like, I really don't like that. Like, it's creepy. Is it because they're naked babies? It's not (laughs) the naked baby or, like, the porcelain doll-esque type of thing. Like, if it reminds them of, like, Mm. that. You know, like that yeah, kind of yeah. crazy porcelain doll. But like most of the other stuff I collect, it's just cute, cute creaturey things. Like I don't think there's anything like to necessarily ever like. I don't know. I don't. I, obviously, I collect them and I like them, so I can't find anything at fault. But um, these are I think cute. They cute. remind me of twosies. Twosies, like the little, uh, the little kid ones. Except, with the, like, the little... yeah, I think these came first, but they're but they have more clothes on. I guess you could say. Yeah, like the little babies with the little animal sidekicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jess, I'm booking you as a guest for next month, okay? Okay, sure. We need for to our, go deep. For our cute episode, Gary? <laughs> um, For cute and just more prying into George's life that he's uncomfortable oh, with. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm an oh, open no. book. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a happy George, Gary. We can't ruin that. Oh, that dude, have you seen? These two are so disgustingly in love that we can't possibly <laughs> disrupt that. It's just going to bring them closer together. About? You and George, oh. you two on social media. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so... It's funny to me that George said, like, George sounds like me, where he collects and collects and collects, but he also wants, like, a clean home. Like, literally, that is my constant battle, because I like simple design and, like, shelves with, like, proper spacing and, like, not clutter, Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm so contradictory because literally they're everywhere. And, like, I can't get a handle on how to, like, mesh my desire to have, like, a non-cluttered living area and still wanting to have all these things on display. It's really, really hard. I could help you with that. Yeah. Would you just get... Are you, like, a professional organizer? <laughs> well, I think for us it helped really, it really helped because we moved. And so... In the beginning, I was being, I could, like, you have a studio, you have your room, you have these shelves, we made a display case, that's it. Like, everything else, like, you know what I mean? So, I feel like you have to designate your areas, and what I did is I allowed, like, bigger hits of things. So, we have a huge wall, like, that's purely shelves, and even though it looks like it's a lot, but at least then you have three other walls that are now clear of thing of something else. Right. Gotcha. Like our living room doesn't we really were talking have about that earlier. Any toys in it. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of what we were, you and I were talking about, Teresa, how like I was telling you like I need to design like an entire wall yes. and just build it and get it done because my office is too small and that's primarily where I keep everything. I want I want my collection surrounding me when I'm working and being inspired and all that other stuff. But I've over the years I've built up this eclectic collection of random shelves and storage units and it's just all over the place. I need to build something just so one whole wall is just nothing but toys and then the other walls can be other things. Like right now it's just Someone who's not into what I'm into would walk into my office and feel just anxiety of how this room is set up currently. I, I really, I'm like you. I want to have a clean, 
organized room, and I think I really need to just build myself a shelving unit because I'm not I'm not finding it at the stores. Yeah, that's the other hard part is I feel like at least for maybe for the scales we collect. I mean, other people it might not be as difficult if you collect larger scale items, but when you're collecting one inch, two inch, three inch tall things, I can't just go out and buy a bookshelf because they're built for books. And it just looks silly to me to put this teeny figure on this giant shelf. And so I've really struggled with that, like finding what will work. And yeah, I'm getting to a point now where it seems like a custom built thing just is the way to go to get exactly what you want. Exactly. You hear that, Jess? She likes to collect small things. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Jess. George sent the picture. You got to get risers. Yeah. Yeah, but see, can I be honest? I'm not a fan. They don't like it. I get it. I have a bunch. Yeah, you really have to. Or like what we do is we have books and we put things like, or, um, yeah, well, that wouldn't really work. We have candy jars and we stick all of our small things in that. (sighs) But no, that's so painful. Okay, I like that. No, it's actually really cute. Like to touch each other yeah. and get scratched. Oh, that's so cute. See, George, you're lucky because all your stuff is very uniform in size. Yes. I was just going to say, the risers... That collection is specific. The risers work in this case because it's basically one giant display of the same type of thing. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the of this particularly displayed thing. <laughs> 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 like... Our shelves are a mix of books, um, larger scale th- uh, toys, and um, like we have some smaller things in there. Like we put them on top of the books um, as like, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. We're just going to send a picture. I get, right? No, I totally get it. It reminds me a lot of Sarah Harvey for the love of toys. And yeah, love her the way she displays it. That's what I envision. Like I want my house to, where things are spacious. So like, yes, like I could picture a, whether it's a shelf on a wall or a bookshelf where it's, it's multi-purpose. It's got some books, it's got, I don't know, some memento from my mom and then like a toy here or there. It's just, I have so much. I feel like then I'd only be displaying like 20% of what I own if I like did it that way all over my house. What if you did like maybe not a bookcase, but you know how Ikea sells the cubes? Like maybe like those smaller mount- wall mounted cubes. You can kind of build it from like floor to ceiling and like kind of like a Lego up and down up to the ceiling. In my head, it's a good idea. Uh-huh, okay. I'll draw it out and send it to you because in my head, it's I, a good idea. I can't. Look at that. You got an interior designer tree. Yeah. <laughs> I want more ideas. I see that the jar idea. Well, I think it's cute. It, it pains me. No. It's just I it's hate. Just, it's just all of his like OMFG stuff. So yeah, it's, they're, they're very particular things that aren't really of high value. Well, okay, I don't want to say no, that. No, no, no. They're just they're not painted, so they're not going to get all scraped up and and messed. Okay, okay. I guess I just don't own anything like that that I would feel that I have one like a, a lot of quantities of the same thing. Maybe, maybe like the little labbits from the blind boxes. Maybe. I could see putting in a jar, but I don't know. I just, I'm very oddly particular about keeping my toys in a tip top shape. That I makes think me it's like you, when you start going around through your house, you're going to find that you have a lot of random small things. I mean, that's that all was George's house. I don't think you realize like, that's what I do. 
<laughs> like my collection is very small, three inch and under. So you probably wouldn't like it if you don't like tiny things. Cause that's like, I hate tiny things. They drive me crazy. Yeah. My mom buy. like instilled it into me early. Like if you stop playing with it, it's, it's officially junk. So I never collected anything. So it was really hard for me to date George. Who's like this complete, uh, what would you, what was the word for it? Like a completion. What's the word? Completionist, yeah, like, or and somebody who buys and, and stuff on a daily basis or Kickstarter and all these things. I'm like, but why? I don't <laughs> get it. It's funny, sophisticated hoarding. Oh, yes. <laughs> there you, go. you know what, Jess? It's so funny because I feel like that used to be me. Like, I used to be very, very critical about what I bought and what I would spend money on. Like, I remember because I've always liked cute stuff, but I remember I'd go and I'd be like. These are really cute stickers, but like, I don't need them. This is really cute. This is a really cute notebook, but I don't need it. This is a really cute this, but I don't need it. Like I justify and talk myself out of it. And Mm -hmm. now I am like completely the opposite. Like I have to force myself not to buy things versus talking myself into it. It's, it's, it's so funny. It's just because I literally used to be that way too, where I was very, very critical and ask myself, why, like, why do you need this? I really can't. I, I do that now. Like um, I bought some stuff at DesignerCon. I bought these little, I would say they're about like one inch little figurines handmade. And I'm already like, but why? Where am I going to put them now? <laughs> like I thought I was like supporting an artist. I was like, oh, I'm going to support her. I'm so excited. And I got him and like, I, I still love them. But I'm like, but where am I going to put them? I, th- I guess I could put them up on my shelf. You got to just learn to enjoy, to just you got them because you like them. And I can't enjoy. That's Only enough. George can enjoy, and then I'll just keep it under control here. <laughs> well, you're doing a good job, right? Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna put George back on. He's now he's starting to do something else. All right, George, Bye, did yes. you go back to sculpting? <laughs> Look what you did, Gary. You just kind of took us all See, over. See, I know this episode's all over the place. Oh, here's the transition, even- though. So. You know, we have all these issues with relationships and trying to balance it out. And that's exactly why it's good to make real friends that collect. So you have someone, so your significant other doesn't have to deal with it. You can offload all your (laughs) excitement and frustration on other friends that collect and probably have the same exact problems. It Um, is nice having someone that can relate to all of our, all the crap that we deal with. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You try talking to your you know, your wife or boyfriend or girlfriend and they, they don't they, get it. They yeah, they they can they, they want to listen. They want to act like they're listening, but in the end result is they don't fully they're don't they're they haven't experienced it. They're not fully involved and into it like we are. Yeah, I don't I mean, I know everyone makes friends, but I think in a community like this, I think it's even more important um, than even the toys themselves to kind of have a bond with other people. Um, so you're not just, it, it becomes more the, the hobby becomes more. Yeah, um, it is. It's, it's nice to have someone when you buy something, you can share it with someone say, look what I bought. And then they get excited for you that you bought something or they can understand and appreciate that. Oh, what it took to finally find that toy. And they understand it. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with it. Having that bond and friendship with, a lot of people. I think that's why this toy community is so great, is because a lot of us do have that. 
Yeah. yeah I mean, especially, I mean, especially if like you get, like you said, you were hunting like a toy for like four years, Scott, like I could see if there's this thing I've been wanting for forever, I could like post it and, and people would be excited for me. Cause they realize like, Oh my God, that's a thing. Like you've been hunting for forever and that's really hard to find. And Oh my God, how'd you find it? Like I couldn't share that same experience necessarily with a significant other, like I could with the toy community. And so it's nice to be able to have people out there that you can share those things with and yeah. talk about and, and all it's, that kind of stuff. It's that. And also, I mean, I've made friends through this community across the country. And I even know people on different parts and parts of the globe, even, um, that we can, we go even beyond the toys to the point of, you know, I'm using, you know, going on like an anniversary vacation to stay with a friend you know, 3,000 miles away, and we're just hanging out, and I'm playing with their, you know, newborn baby. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's super special, and it's, that's, I mean, I've made lifelong friends, and we can have real serious life chats about things that aren't, you know, toy-related, because there are more, there's more to life than toys. Um, No, there isn't. uh, But it's cool to think yeah. because it is community. I think all of us can say that you could probably one day day go to Japan or or Europe or even Australia, and there's going to be someone that we can meet up with, you know, and help guide us through where's where's the local toy stores we should check out, or or even the local eateries, or maybe a place to stay. Like we've met enough people in this amazing community that I think has allowed that to happen, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I mean that for me, like I said earlier, that's the best thing I've gotten out of 3a is a lot of my friends were all 3a collectors and we kind of went through the pain together and now we've all kind of maybe lost the interest in 3a but the friendship still remains and maybe it was even stronger than before um that's yeah i mean there's some of my in the last like 10 years for me probably some of my best friends are through the toy community not work related or you know, meeting people wherever it's all through this awesome community and nobody's a jerk. Like I haven't met really that many jerk people. I feel like everyone that's in it, they're that they're really in it. They're in it for a passion and they're genuinely good people. Yeah. Out like just in life in general, not oh, they're nice when it comes to collecting toys or whatever. I hope what you say is true. I mean, I hope I don't know if I'll ever stop collecting toys, but sometimes I do wonder like, would some of these people that I'm friends with today still be friends with me if one day I don't have we don't have that shared interest anymore? I can definitely I say know. I definitely can say I'm I'm fine. I could definitely drop my collection tomorrow and still have friends for life and that's watch, awesome. Watch kid watch their kids grow up and get married and you know go through all those things in life with them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And one day introduce their kids to this crazy world. Maybe. <laughs> some of them are already getting introduced to it. <laughs> well, and the funny cause... thing is, like, some of the people that you, like, you know, if you've been in the scene for a while, like, my first Comic-Con was, or my first Comic-Con as a vendor was 2004, I think, 2004 or five, I can't remember. Um, but there were people that have, that would come up to my booth every year since that year. So, like, there were guys that were in high school who have now graduated college, you know, and it's so it's it's cool to be able to watch these people like 
who started out as fans of the work and then then they became friends because you see them every year and then all of a sudden now they're all you know now some of them are older and like like corwin uh corwin webb who's in the yeah. series four he was in high school when we first started seeing him at comic-con and like him and his brother come every year and now you know we're friends we've hung out we you know we you know we see each other outside of cons and he was in our artist series of figures and it's just cool to be able to like transition from just this you know because we're all just a bunch of nerds collecting toys so we have that initial bond and then it's like you know you find things from there and you grow up you know you grow up together you know yeah yeah Yeah. totally i mean yeah i mean toys are just a springboard i think like they're just and then i feel like once you get to know someone i mean it's it's not like suddenly you wouldn't be friends because they don't collect toys it's just the, the kind of common denominator that gets you all talking and hanging out and and getting to know each other yeah i don't know if there's as much of it now maybe i just kind of cap my friend list at the door um it's at max capacity but i like the idea that people are they go to a a signing and they're not just there get the toy and leave that they're staying and hanging around and you know hey this is my name on instagram and you you know you put a face to it because everyone's seems to be you're more chatty on social media but when it comes to in person yeah. then it's like where are all of you people <laughs> I, <laughs> I i think i sort of fall into that category though scott because i used to be pretty shy i mean behind the mic and on social media i'm definitely more outgoing than i probably am in person especially at the conventions i wouldn't i wouldn't approach people and i wasn't going to the after parties and i always felt like either the third wheel or like the boring guy in the group like everyone was already kind of sort of clicked up or you know whatnot and i i was never one to like invite myself to things so Actually, you know, the one reason I stopped going to designer con is because, yeah, I had the family, but the all the other reason was the last few times I went out there, I was by myself, and um, I was just I was mainly doing breakfast by myself and going um, to dinner by myself and just going back to the room early by myself. It was it just wasn't that much fun. But now from the podcast and stuff and meeting Teresa and horrible adorables and sad salesmen and every and everyone else that I met through the podcast, like the, the convention experience is completely different. Like it's it's so completely changed and so much more fun now. And Teresa talked about earlier, like the difference between last year and this year's designer con. Yeah. I mean and and so like that that's where kinda like I guess my only thing I'd say out to the like people out there, if like you're one of those people that you know, doesn't have anyone to hang out with, like grab me, like shoot me a message. I'll happily meet up and hang out and chat and get to, cause I've been there and I know what it's like. And I think, um, but once you can kind of, you know, if, if you kind of have a little bit of your shell, if you can kind of break out of it and chat with some people, I think you'll, you'll be the better for it because you'll learn, I think to, to what Scott and I've been saying, like so far, at least from what we've seen, there's never been a ba- for us a bad experience with going out there and saying hi and getting to know people. I mean, from what we've seen, I feel like the, the community's great. Like, there's no there's no one I've yet to meet that has not been super nice to talk to and super friendly. So, I think you just kind of have to take that plunge, like force yourself to go out there and kind of work through that initial sort of awkwardness of kind of getting to know people. But once you do, I mean it's amazing how many people you run into and say hi to and, and all of that. So yeah, for sure. It's, 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 it's crazy how different, literally it's crazy how different it is over the past year for me between last designer con and now. I mean, I always have people always, even, even my parents, they always ask like, why are you keep going back to comic con every year? Cause all you do is complain when, when you get home <laughs> <laughs> and, and while I'm there and it, the only answer anymore is I'm there to see my friends because most, a lot of these friends, I don't get in, you know, 
San Diego, I have a really good chance of seeing them. Decon, maybe. So those are basically my only two chances ever to see a lot of these people if I don't go to actively travel to wherever they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, It's hard to, like, that's what's, I think, the hard part is, like, these events are so great, but it's always so hard to, like, go back home sometimes. Because I'm like, man, I wish a lot of these people were closer. Like, I'd love to hang out with so many people on a regular basis, you know, like, Hey, I'm done with work. Want to go grab food or let's do something this weekend. Want to go catch a movie. And it's just, it's hard in that way to meet so many great people and really only be able to hang out in those couple of days that you're together. Um, it makes it super special, but it's also really sad when that's why, you know, we talk about these post post event depression moments. Cause it's like, man, you know, I just want to keep doing it. Like I want to keep hanging out with all these great people. It's hard. Yeah. I've, I've been lucky um, again, like through a, I've found it even on like the kid robot forums where someone would, I'd see their location and it would be relative, like really close to me, which is weird because I'm just outside of LA. So I'm not in this big artistic, you know, bubble. And I would just jump on that. Like, Hey, you live here. I live 15 minutes from you. Let's hang out and, you know, be friends. Um, and it's pretty interesting to find how many people I wouldn't, I would have thought I'd been the the lone wolf where I live. And there's actually a surprising number of people surround near in my surroundings. Yeah. We, uh, man, we were all over the place tonight. Yeah. yeah. It was good though. I like that more of this just organic, just, I don't know, find out wherever the conversation takes us. I thought we were supposed to talk about toys. We don't talk about what happened <laughs> to that. We only talked about, know. only talked about three A. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we, we'll feel off topic there for a little bit, but I like it. I prefer it when it's like this, when it's just a casual conversation, something like, oh, the way we would talk if we all met up at happy hour somewhere. Who shows up the happy hour with a, a bullet point list of things they want to talk about? Maybe some suck-ass employee would do that, but not us. So I think we'll we'll definitely cover um, other toys that we haven't touched on. I know people want to hear us talk about more, so Fubi, and we've heard um, – they want to hear know about more about the catchy side of toys and stuff like that. So we'll definitely cover that um, going forward. This is not the end of the show. I know we've we've talked about maybe you know, we should wrap it up. We might change the format. Maybe we'll go every other week and or something like that. But um, I think we'll probably still have episodes for you all in December. Uh, we'll definitely come back um, strong in January for season three. And so yeah, this is uh, not the end of it. So I guess for now. Let's just go ahead and wrap up the show. We're running long, so why don't each of you take a brief moment and let the listeners know where they can find you. So, Scott, why don't you go first? Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me back again. Super fun. Um, you can find me on Kid Robot Forums, 666 Ways Number 2 Love. That kind of tends to be my handle across most things. Or you'll probably see me lurking in like the Kid Robot Facebook groups. Okay. Queen of Cute. Yes. Where can we find you? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, as always. My username is tmhawk24. Prince of Pins. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram <laughs> at Double G Toys, or just look up uh, George Gaspar on Facebook or something like that. All right, I'm Gary Ham. You can find me at superham.com or Gary Ham on Instagram. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We do this every week, not because we have to, but because we want to. Until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. Now it's time for the name game.
George, 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 Boborge, Banana, Fana, Forge, Fifi, Mamorge, George. Teresa, 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 Boborisa, Banana, Fana, Forisa, Fifi, Mamorisa, Teresa. Scott, 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 Bobot, Banana, Fana, Fofat, Fifi, Momot, Scott. Gary, 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 Boberry, Banana, Fana, Fofairy, Fifi, Momary, Gary.